Hello, this is Peggy Joyce Ruth. Welcome to our podcast and hope you enjoy this teaching. I don't think it is any accident that God is all of a sudden just bringing to the forefront everything on healing. I knew that God had very definitely been laying this on my heart. But we've been hit really hard, not just in this body, but I'm talking about everywhere. People have been hit really hard with sickness and with disease. It's just running rampant. But in my heart, I'm so excited because I know something is fixing to break through. It's like the Lord has just put an excitement on the inside of me. There's a lot of you who have had a lot of in-depth teaching on healing, and the Lord has really shown me that you need to have this stirred up on the inside of you, and you need to come again to realize just what you do have. There's others of you, and you may not have heard the word on healing. I really want you just to hear it as though you're hearing it for the very first time. I want us to pray a prayer even before we start for the Holy Spirit to really quicken on the inside of us just exactly what He wants to speak to each one of us individually. Because I truly believe you're here not by accident. You're here for a purpose. And Father, I do thank you for every single person that's here tonight. Father, I pray for those that are the ones, Lord, that even that this tape might go out to. Father, I know that you're stirring something on the inside of me, and I don't even know how to put it into words. But Lord, I know that something is going to start changing in the spiritual realm. And Lord, I can feel the anointing that you're getting ready to pour out upon your people. And Lord, I know we have to be equipped. I know we have to be ready. Father, I thank you for the words for tonight and in this series. And Lord, I'm just asking that our hearts will be open and attentive. And Lord, that we'll receive everything that you have for us. And that we'll be equipped, that we'll be ready, Lord. And Father, I thank you for what you're going to be doing this year. I thank you that truly healing is going to become calling card. And I thank you, Lord, that you've provided all this. And, and I thank you that we're going to learn not only how to appropriate it ourselves, but Lord, how to reach out and teach others to do so. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Well, Romans 10 verse 17 tells us that faith comes from hearing and hearing the Word. In other words, faith comes from hearing and hearing again what it is that the Word has to say on any certain subject. Now, that's how you develop faith. If you want to know how to develop faith, you just get into the Word and, and you begin researching a certain subject and it'll build your faith as you hear it. Now, I've noticed in different local church bodies, whatever it is that's preached over and over from the pulpit, that's the area where that particular church is strong in their faith. So that's why I think it's so very important for us to hear the word on healing just as often as possible. Because if you want to have faith for health and if you want to have faith for healing, then it's a must to see to it that you hear the word on healing over and over again until literally your mind is saturated with that truth. Now, it's a lot harder to get built up and learn how to stand for healing after symptoms have already started raging in your body. You know that. But if we'll stay built up in the Word of God in the area of healing, then health can become just a normal way of life. And that's exactly what God intends for His children, and that's what He's provided. I want you to take down all the Scripture references because we're going to be covering a lot. Now, this series on healing is going to take three sessions. We're going to start with the word salvation. Now, we preach salvation, and most of us growing up got the impression that salvation is referring to our ticket to heaven. In other words, our eternally being saved from hell. And praise God, it does include that. But those of you who have done a word study on the word salvation know that it means a lot more than just a ticket to heaven. 
Now, when you look up that word salvation in the Strong's Concordance, you find that it covers five vital areas of our life. Now, the word is soteria, means salvation, and it means health, healing, deliverance, protection, and provision. Now, I want you to say that with me. Health, healing, deliverance, protection, and provision. Now, you need to memorize that. You need to meditate on that. See, if we receive the total package that God provides for us in salvation, then it takes in every single thing that we're going to need for this life and for the life to come. Now, Psalm 27 tells us that Jesus literally is our salvation, and He's all we need. He will become our health, our healing, our deliverance, our protection, and our provision in every area. Now, I used to think, Lord, you know, why does the word salvation mean healing and health? Well, as we study the Word, we find that Jesus, the Word of God, literally is our health. His Word is preventive medicine that keeps us healthy. But if sickness does come in, then He's also our healing. See, He provides everything we need. So the Word that we're going to be hearing, it can either be preventive medicine or it can be a cure, depending on whichever you need. Now, I want you to put a goal out in front of you. I want our goal, though, to be to hear the Word and let it become such a part of us that it is a preventative. It's a preventative medicine against sickness and against disease so we can literally walk in health. Or we don't have to seek out healing. Let that be your goal. Let that be what you reach toward. You know, I went over to my mother's house and I noticed a little magazine that she gets, a prevention magazine. And it has a lot of preventive medicine ideas and remedies. And it's good. They have a lot of good remedies in it. But today what I'm wanting you to see is that the Word of God is a manual or it's a textbook for the best preventive medicine that you've ever read. You know, I remember the very first time that I heard the word on healing and it just started coming alive to me. It was about 16 years ago. And I read this book for the first time that was called Healing Belongs to You. And the word started just coming off the page and I thought, you know, can this be true? Because it was telling me that a Christian didn't have to beg God for healing, that he had already provided for every sickness and every disease to already be taken care of because he took it on his body on the cross 2,000 years ago, just exactly like he took our sin. It was already done. We'd already been healed. And I remember staring at the page and thinking, Lord, this is just too good to be true. Can this be true? And so I started doing research through the Word of God, and I did an in-depth study for about six months. Every time I had any time, I would just search every scripture I could find on healing. And I would look at it in context and I would do all the cross-referencing. And I found out it had indeed already been accomplished. Now, not all Christians quit being sick, just like all Christians don't quit sinning. But both are offered and both have been provided for in the atonement if we'll just accept it and learn how to appropriate it. Now, I personally believe that the reason that the enemy fights so hard against our getting knowledge and truth about healing is because this is such a prime area where he can come in to steal and kill and destroy. You think about it when you're sick. It steals your time. It steals your peace. steals your energy. It steals your finances. And you certainly don't don't feel like doing your ministry. So it's a prime example for the enemy to do what he does best, to come in and destroy. And that's why it's essential now that we learn to come to a place where we're firmly grounded in what the Word of God has to say. This is so important. The power of God can only be claimed where the will of God is known. 
Now Hosea 4.6 names two ways in which we open the door to any, any destruction, including sickness. Hosea 4.6 says that God's people are destroyed, number one, because they have a lack of knowledge of what God's Word has to say. There's a lack of knowledge. And you know that. You're not going to release faith for something if you don't know that the Word of God says that that's yours. And then number two, that scripture says that because of rejection of knowledge, not accepting the fact that Jesus has already bought and paid for our sickness. Some people will see it in the Word, but they think, oh, that's just too good to believe for. Or maybe they stood for a while against the symptoms on their body and they finally get tired standing, so they give up. Okay, that's rejection of that knowledge. I want you to think how many times we tolerate this little symptom of sickness or that little sickness. For example, we might tolerate a headache or a cold and think, oh, everybody's got a cold every once in a while. Or maybe we go back to bed at times and we think, well, I might as well be sick today. You know, I need a good rest. But see, if we could ever get it into our mind how much Christ suffered indescribable agony on the cross when he took the sickness and when he took the sin for us, then we would never want to tolerate ever again any symptom on our body. Now, I think that's the best way to come to a place where you quit tolerating sickness is when you realize how much Christ suffered to take it for us. And then we don't want to throw it back in his face. We want to be able to say, Lord, you've done it for me. And you went through agony to do that. And I praise you and thank you for it. And I will walk in it. So number two on your handout is to realize that healing has already been accomplished. It's done. 2,000 years ago, Christ took our sickness on the cross. Now God cannot do one thing more to accomplish health and healing for us than what he's already done. I want you to think about that. He can't do anything else more than what he's already done to accomplish that health and healing for you. Now, I want you to look up Isaiah 53, verse 4. Now, Isaiah 53 is a prophecy that's given in the Old Testament that's prophesying or foretelling the cross experience. Now, this was written about five or 700 years before Christ died on the cross. So this is God's perspective. This is God's viewpoint of the cross. And God told all about it. He described the cross experience ahead of time through Isaiah the prophet. Now we're going to be looking at two scriptures in the book of Isaiah chapter 53. But first I want to show you one in Isaiah 52 verse 14. He's still talking about the cross experience. And in Isaiah 52, 14, Just as many were astonished at you, my people, so his appearance, talking about the Messiah, so the Messiah's appearance at the cross was marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of men. Think about that. On the cross, his appearance was marred more than any man, his form more than the sons of men. Now look on down in Isaiah 53, verse 4. Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we are ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. In other words, they looked on and they just assumed that he was being smitten by God. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening or the punishment for our well-being fell on him, and by his scourging or by his stripes were healed. Now, most of us have read that scripture since we were children. I memorized it as a GA growing up. But it never really meant anything to me because I really didn't understand exactly what it was saying. But when I did a word study on the words griefs and sorrows, all of a sudden that scripture began to come alive and it took on new meaning. Now the word grief there also means sickness. And the word sorrow means pain. 
Now in most of your Bibles, I have a New American Standard, but in most of your Bibles, if you'll look over in the margin, it'll say sickness and disease in the margin. That's what it means in the Hebrew. Now the scripture began to come alive because I realized all of a sudden that the same substitute who took my sins on the cross, it was telling me in verse 4 that he also bore my sickness and bore my pain. I want you to read it that way. Surely our, our sickness he himself bore and our pains he carried on the cross. Now you need to mark that out. Write it out in the margin of your Bible. Okay, do you know how you can know for sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that he's talking about physical healing here? Now I'm going to show you a commentary on this particular scripture. Now a commentary is simply some person's interpretation of a particular scripture. Now you can go to a bookstore and you can buy volumes of commentaries where some man or some woman has written their impression or their interpretation of the scripture. But did you know that Jesus actually wrote a commentary on this scripture in Isaiah 53 verse 4? Now when Jesus writes a commentary, it's going to be more than an educated guess because he is the word made flesh. Now he interpreted this scripture so that we could know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God was talking about physical illness when he said griefs and sorrows. I want you to turn over to Matthew chapter 8. Now we're not going to read the first 17 verses, but I'm going to tell you what these verses include. Matthew 8, 1 through 17 tells how Jesus was meeting all of the physical needs of the people that day. Now he's casting out demons, he's healing the sick, he's cleansing the lepers, and then we come to verse 16. And in verse 16, it said, Then when evening had come, they brought to Jesus many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word, and he healed all who were ill. Okay, he's been doing this all day. When evening comes, he's still there meeting all of the physical needs of the people. And then verse 17 is written in context with what he's been doing all day long. In verse 17, Matthew quotes from the Old Testament scriptures. He quotes Isaiah. He quotes exactly what we just read in Isaiah 53 verse 4. But instead of using the words griefs and sorrows, in verse 17, he said, in order that what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, he himself took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. So he didn't use the word griefs and sorrows. Now there's no way for infirmities and diseases to be spiritual. That's physical. Everything he's been doing for the last 17 verses is in the physical realm. And it was in that context now that he quoted Isaiah 53 verse 4. Now he wanted us to know that he was talking about physical healing. You know, it was as though Jesus knew that down through the ages there would be some in the church who would begin to spiritualize everything and in doing so there would be no power left. But this one statement now clears up any confusion on the subject. I want to give you just a little side note. You know, we often talk about spiritual healing. In fact, a lot of times we'll read Isaiah 53 verse 5, by his stripes we were healed. And you'll hear people say, well, that means we were spiritually healed. But I want you to think about it. In reality, there's really no such thing as spiritual healing. You know, man is a three-part being. We're a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. Well, the body can be healed. It, it can be restored. It can be renewed. The soulish realm, our mind, can be restored. It can be renewed. Our emotions can be healed. We can get an inner healing. But the spirit man can't be fixed. When you think about it, it can't be healed. It has to be totally reborn. That's why he said you must be born again. We have to be reborn from an incorruptible seed. 
See, the heart's not healed. It has to be surgically removed. And that's why God said in the Word, I will give you a heart of flesh in place of that heart of stone. That's why it says in the Word that we become a brand new creation. It's talking about our spirit man. So really when you get right down to it, there's really no spiritual healing, only physical healing and emotional healing because when we're talking about our spirit man, our spirit man has to be new. We have to be born again. We have to have a brand new spirit. Now, all three were made possible by the shedding of the innocent blood of the sacrificial lamb. Now, there's three places where Jesus shed his blood, and I think that's very significant. First, he shed his blood in the garden when he began to take on the emotional agony of the soul. And it says that he sweat drops of blood, and that was in the soulish realm. The number two place was at the whipping post when Pilate had him whipped with 39 lashes and blood poured from his back. And that made physical healing possible. That's what Isaiah 53 verse 5 was saying when it says, By his scourging you were healed. And then the third place, when he shed his blood on the cross for the sins of the world. Well, that made the spiritual rebirth a possibility. Okay, when you study these scriptures, in, all in Isaiah 53 and Matthew 8, 17 and the scriptures in Colossians, really it does establish the fact that physical healing and health are a part of the cross atonement. That means that it's already been taken care of. It's already been provided. Now, we could rest our case right there, but I want to give you a few more scriptures because I want you to see that it's all through the Word of God that we have scriptures that emphasize the fact that healing is a part of the cross atonement. I want you to see that it's all through the Word of God. There's no way we can overlook it. It's practically on every page, from cover to cover, from Genesis to Revelation. Now, I want you to take these references down. In fact, I hope you're color-coding your Bible. If you don't know what I mean by that, you can get several highlighters in different colors. I use the green anytime it's a scripture on the Holy Spirit. I use the blue highlighter if it's a promise. I use the orange highlighter if it's healing. And put your code in the front of your Bible. And as you color-code that Bible, you're going to find it's going to come alive. Okay, I'm not going to have you look up Exodus 15:26, but I want you to write that reference down. I'm mainly going to be giving you Old Testament scriptures this week, and I think the best place to start in the Old Testament is Exodus 15:26, simply because this is the place where God first revealed himself as the healer. This was his covenant promise for healing. Now, he made a covenant promise that he would be their healer. In verse 26, he said, I am Jehovah Rapha. If you look that up in the Hebrew. Now, Jehovah means Lord and Rapha means healing. So he was saying, I am the Lord, your healer. So he was making a covenant with his people. In fact, he made that covenant in his name. And so every time they heard the word Jehovah Rapha, it reminded them again that they had a covenant with God, a promise from God that he was their healer. He was the Lord, their healer. That healing was a part of the provision of the covenant. We have that same promise. He is our Jehovah Rapha. You know, he told Moses to lead his people out of the Egyptian bondage. And Moses said, well, who will I say sent me? And his answer was, tell them that I am sent you. I am that I am. In other words, he was saying, whatever it is that you need, I am that to you. I am that I am. See, if you need health, then he's saying, I am healer. I am Jehovah Rapha. So if that 
physical healing passed away, then we would literally have to change his name from the I am to the I walk. He said, I am. And he was indicating by that that he is always the continuous present tense. And we know that he can't change from what he was then simply because Malachi 3.6 says, I, the Lord God, change not. God's already told us he's not going to change. So he never will change. What he was in the days of Moses, he is today. Okay, I want you to turn to Psalm 103. Now this is another place where God, through David, revealed again another part of the benefits of the covenant. I wanted you to see how he revealed this covenant through many of the prophets in the Old Testament, not just through one or two. In Psalm 103, we find that David is speaking to his soul. And he's commanding his soul, commanding his mind and his will and his emotions to bless the Lord. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And then he said, forget none of his benefits. He was saying, forget none of the benefits of the covenant. And then he goes on to list the benefits. Who pardons all of your iniquities and heals most of your diseases. Is that what it says? Okay, I want you to circle that. He's saying that he pardons all of your iniquities and he heals all of your diseases. A part of the benefit of the covenant is that God heals all of our diseases. And he admonishes us not to forget that. He said, don't forget that part of the covenant. We're so blessed. Now we're under a new and a better covenant. But we wouldn't be able to say that the new covenant was based on new and better promises because it wouldn't be better if we had lost the benefit of healing or any part of it. And there are some who believe that we've lost that benefit. Well, we haven't or we wouldn't have a new and better covenant. That benefit is still ours today. And he's still saying, don't forget it. Don't forget that benefit. He forgives all your sins. He heals all your diseases. Okay, later look up Exodus 23, 25. Mark down the reference. Now this promise is especially beneficial to us in this modern day and age. Because verse 25 says, I will remove sickness by blessing your food and your water. Well, I never know a time in history when it's more important to have our food and our water blessed. Now, I do believe in eating healthy foods. God gave us intelligence, and it wouldn't work any better for me to continually put junk food down my body as it would if I put dirt in the gas tank of my car. But I also think when we get into the fear of what goes into our mouth, then we're getting into bondage. And we've lost sight of the fact that God says, I will be the one who sanctifies your food and who sanctifies your water, who blesses your food and water. See, when we get to the point of striving and worrying and trying anxiously to touch all the bases so that we won't get sick. When we're trying so hard to do everything just right in order to walk in health, then what we're doing, we're spending more time seeing to it that no evil thing go in our mouth than we are seeing to it that no evil thing come forth out of our mouth. Now, God has been stressing good eating habits all across the body of Christ, and that is so important. I do believe that. I've known many people who have struggled with physical ailments for years and years and years, and then all of a sudden God would begin to tell them something to do, maybe some adjustment to make in their eating habits, and those physical symptoms would just begin to go away. Now, God may have told you to increase your water intake, or He may have told you to leave off caffeine or leave off sugar. I believe that most of the time it's in an area where we've abused our body. But whatever it as God tells you to do, do it. If he's given you a point of obedience, there's a reason for it. 
Our body is a wonderful gift and we're responsible to God for treating it with care. But we have to continually remind ourselves that it is God though and not our good eating habits that is the source of our health. We have to remind ourselves of that. See, God is the source of our health. Now, you know which side of the fence you're on. You can't fool yourself and you certainly can't fool God. You know, so if you're the type that has been consistently abusing your body in some area, you may need to ask God and say, okay, Lord, what point of obedience do I need to do to have a healthy body? Most of the time we don't have to pray. Most of the time we know without asking. And for those of us who might have gotten into the other extreme and gotten preoccupied with fearfully trying to do everything just exactly right so we don't get sick, then we need to go back and we need to start all over. We need to begin to meditate on the fact that Jesus and what he did on the cross is our source of health. And we need to quote those scriptures until every bit of the fear is gone. Okay, let's go on. Go back to Psalm 91. Now, God has promised us here in Psalm 91 that if we will make him our source and dwell in the shelter of the Most High, he said, I will deliver you from the trap of the enemy, and I will be the one that delivers you from the deadly pestilence. Now, you need to put in the margin of your Bible that pestilence is any deadly disease, any deadly plague or epidemic. It can be cancer or heart disease or whatever. So he's saying, I will deliver you from the diseases that the world fears. Then on down in verse 5, he said, don't be afraid. He said, I don't care what it is that's coming on the earth. And he begins to name all the different categories of evil that's coming on the earth. And he says, you don't have to be afraid of any of these. And he's including pestilence and sickness and disease. In verse 7, he says, a thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand. But he said, it'll not approach you if you'll dwell in my shelter and look to me as your source and say with your mouth, I am the Lord, your God. I'm your source of healing. And then in verse 10, he goes on to say, no evil will befall you, nor will plague or calamity come near your household. And we read this and we think, Lord, you know, this is going against the common sense of the entire world if I try to believe this. Who can believe for everything that's written in Psalm 91? You know, the whole world flinches at these promises, but they're ours if we care to believe them and appropriate them. That's why Jesus said, be it unto you according to your faith. He said, you'll have what you say with your mouth without doubting. So it is a choice. Later, look up Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. But God said, I have literally set before you the choice. He said, I've given you the choice of life or you can have death. He said, I've given you the choice of blessing or you can go ahead and walk in the curse. But he said, it's your choice. And in verse 20, he tells us how to make that choice. He says, we make that choice. We choose by loving the Lord by obeying Him, and by holding fast to His Word. In other words, when we believe the Word more than we believe anything else, more than we believe doctor's reports, and I believe in doctors, and I believe in medicine, but we have to come to a place where we believe what God says more than we believe a doctor report, more than we believe the ache, or more than we believe any pain. See, God's Word is true, and that has to be our final authority. In Luke 1.37 in the Amplified, God says that there's not a promise that He's made that's without power or impossible of fulfillment. Now, that's a tremendous promise. Anytime you find a promise in the Word of God, that promise is literally full of power. It's alive. It's the Word of God, and it's very possible. See, most scholars believe that Moses wrote Psalm 91. The Holy Spirit gave it to him. And Moses obviously believed in it because he did walk in it. 
Now, Jesus is the same yesterday for Moses as he is today for us and as he will be tomorrow for our children if we'll believe him. You know, it doesn't matter what comes on the earth. If we'll get into these promises and believe them, they will become a reality in our life. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word. Psalm 119 verse 89 tells us that the Word is already forever settled in heaven. It's already done. It's always been settled in heaven. It's simply ours now to take and receive and appropriate. Now, it's very exciting when we realize how many scriptures there are throughout the Word of God that talk about physical healing. Another scripture reference that I want you to take down is Psalm 34, 19, and 20. It says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. And then it goes on to say, I'll keep all of his bones, not one of them will be broken. Now this is referring to the Messiah. But in him, we can have those promises too. Some of these promises sound, you know, a little bit far out because we've not trained ourselves to believe what he said. But he wants us to begin to read these things in the Word of God. He wants us to begin to realize they're there and begin to quote them and believe them. You know, we don't have to have broken bones. It's been quite a few years ago now, but one day my dad was helping Jack put a roof on the barn. And dad was over on the other side of the gable and Jack stepped on a rotten board and he fell through. Well, he had tools in his hand and he couldn't catch himself, but he fell and he caught himself on the rafters with his rib cage. And he said it felt like literally every bone in his body had broken. Well, he had just read this scripture in Psalm 34 and we'd been talking about it and discussing it. My dad heard all the commotion and so he hollered over and he said, Jack, did you break anything? And Jack hollered back and he said, no, the bones of the righteous will not be broken. And so my dad said, oh, good. And he kept right on working. And Jack said, here he was thinking that he was broken in two. And he had to pull himself back up and get back up on the roof. But the good part of the story was that there were no bones broken. See, God is watching over us. He's wanting us to come to a place where we stand against the world, where we don't believe what the world's saying if it contradicts the Word of God, where we come to the place where what we're claiming out of our mouth is what His Word says, the promises of His words. And it needs to be coming out of our mouth. You know, what comes out of your mouth the first one or two seconds after something happens can absolutely make all the difference in the world. If you're faced with a pain or you're faced with a potential calamity, the very first things out of your mouth, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth's going to speak. And what comes out your mouth in that first one or two seconds will make a difference. I can promise you. That's why we need to put it in there so it's there to come out. You have what you say with your mouth without doubting. Now, there may be some of you saying, well, what about me? I'm already sick. It's too late. Well, the good news is it's never too late. I thank God. You know, that's why salvation not only means health, but it also means healing. So write down the reference, Psalm 41, verse 3. This says that he will sustain you on your sick bed, and he will restore that one back to health. Now that's a good promise. He will sustain you on your sick bed, and he will restore that one back to health. Now, I've just given you sort of a brief overview of Old Testament scriptures on healing. Now, I want to give you four instructions for health and healing that are for everyone. I want you to write them down. The number one instruction is Proverbs 4, verse 20. Now, God may give you some specific instructions that He requires of you, but these are general instructions that everyone has to walk in. I'm going to read it to you out of Proverbs. You don't have to turn there. Proverbs 4, verse 20 
He said, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my signs. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those that find them and health to your whole body. Okay, notice what he's saying there. You give attention to my words. And he says, if you do, they will become life to you and they'll become health to your whole body. And notice he's speaking to four different areas. He's saying, say to your mind, pay attention to the Word of God. He's saying, say to your mind, dwell on the Word of God. Think about what God is saying about healing. Meditate on those scriptures. Let your mind be totally renewed, reprogrammed to what it is that the Word of God has to say about healing. And then he tells us to listen to the Word of God. When you're around somebody that's speaking doubt and unbelief, he's saying, get away, don't listen to that. Now, we're responsible for what we hear. And then he's telling us to put our eyes on what the Word of God has to say. He's saying, don't let the truth depart from your sight. It's impossible to keep your eyes on the Word and on the symptoms at the same time. If we're preoccupied with the symptoms, and sometimes it's hard not to be when our body's hurting, but anytime we're preoccupied with the symptoms, it distracts us from the Word of God. And we know that the Word of God has departed from our sight. And then he says, keep it in the midst of your heart. Why? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now the Bible here, if you'll notice, it says, keep it. Keep the Word. Keep the Word on healing. In other words, he's saying, do it. Put action to it. Faith is an action. Okay, the number two instruction is 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7. You can look it up later, but it just simply says that we're to go by faith and not by sight. Go by faith in the Word of God and not by sight. Now, don't make faith some mystical thing that's out there in the future. You know, some people think, well, someday I'm going to finally have enough faith to be able to believe God's Word for healing. But... They're putting it off in the future and they don't need to. Faith is not some mystical something. Faith is not hard. Faith is nothing more than a choice to believe God's Word. You don't even have to feel it. You just choose to believe God's Word simply because He said it. Now, Satan will always try to point out someone to you where it looks like the Word didn't work. And that's where the Word of God tells us we can't go by sight says that we're to keep our eyes on the Word of God. You know, one of the very first words that I received years ago when it came to healing, it was so simple and yet it was so important to me. God said, there are no what-ifs and there are no others concerning your healing. Well, I could understand the statement, there are no what-ifs, because I was continually saying, Lord, well, what if this or, or what if that happened? And God was saying, quit saying what-if, that's doubt. But I really didn't understand at the time what the Lord was meaning when He said there are no others where your healing is concerned. Well, I kept seeking the Lord, and the Lord finally showed me that He didn't want me to look at anybody else. He didn't want me to get my eyes off the Word and look around at other people's lives. See, our eyes have to stay firmly planted on what God's Word has has to say. Not what we see or what we hear, what we feel, or maybe what's happened in somebody else's life. See, every person has to personally come to the place of believing God's Word on healing more than we believe anything else that we see or anything else that would try to contradict God's Word. What the Word has to say about healing has to become our final authority. Now, you may see some things that happen at times where it appears that the Word's not working, but we don't know all the circumstances. I don't care how close someone else is to you, you don't know what's going on with them. Sometimes I don't even know what's going on in my own heart until the Lord reveals it to me. So just decide within yourself that the Word cannot fail. 
It's forever settled in heaven. If anything fails, it's certainly not God's word. Now, faith is proved in retrospect. We have to believe first, and then you see the manifestation. You know, I was talking to this girl. It's been a good while ago now, but she was telling me that she really believed in healing. However, several months went by, and some symptoms came on her body, and she made this statement. She said, well, I really don't know whether I believe in healing anymore. Well, it was obvious then that her faith had not been in God's Word. That wasn't her final authority. See, her faith was in what she was feeling, what she was seeing. Now, the Word will never change. It's not going to change. God says, I, the Lord God, change not. Jesus is the Word made flesh. The Word's not going to change. But circumstances do change, and they will change. And we can pull that mountain down and change the circumstances literally with the Word of God because it's alive and it's active. And when we have it inside of us and we begin to speak it forth, it's like a sword. And it literally will change the, the circumstances in the physical. And it's the one that's going to remain steadfast on the Word of God that's going to finally win the victory and become out victorious. Okay, number three instruction. You need to settle the question once and for all. Don't keep putting it off and thinking, well, one day I'm going to have to get around to getting the word of healing down inside of me. Nail it down. Don't let your believing just be head knowledge where you sort of give mental assent to the word of God and kind of passively say, oh, yes, I believe the word of God. I believe in healing. See, we have to come to a place where we make our stand. If no one else believes it, we're going to believe it simply because it's the Word of God. Now, Romans 3.3 3 is the scripture that I always think of when I think of nailing down faith for healing. Because sometimes you will feel like you're going against the trend of the entire world to believe it. But in Romans 3, verse 3, Paul said, If some do not believe... Now, since we're talking about healing, he's talking about anything in the Word of God. But he said, if some do not believe, if some not believe the Word on healing, will their unbelief nullify the faithfulness of God? And then he says, may it never be. Rather, let God be found true, though every man be found a liar. And he said, then you will be justified by your words. Keep reading that and reading that until it comes alive on the inside of you. If the entire world refuses to believe God's word on healing, God is still going to be found true. His word is still going to be true whether we believe it or whether we don't, you know. It's not going to change the word of God. But the ones who go with God and speak forth the words of God, they'll be justified. So we need to nail it down. If everyone else in the world decides they're not going to believe the word on healing, we still are going to have to come back and nail it down and say, God, you're going to be found true. And I'm going to be justified by my words because I'm going to say what your words say. When we come to a place where we say, I don't care how long it takes, even if I never saw the manifestation of it for some reason, your word's still true. I believe it, and that forever settles it. And then number four, find your point of contact. Now, we talked earlier about a point of obedience, and sometimes there will be a point of obedience. Every time that I ever remember standing for a healing when it didn't manifest right away, I can never remember a time when there was not some point of obedience or some point of contact that God would show me. Be very sensitive to the Holy Spirit. It might be some area of sin, some area where you need to change directions. See, we cannot afford complacency when it comes to an area of sin because sin is an open door to destruction and disease. Now, God established healing from the beginning, and He accomplished it on the cross. Now, He expects His children to just believe in it and to walk in it. 
Now the Old Testament listed out every single thing that was available to us in, in our Jehovah Rapha. He is the Lord our healer. And then when we come to the New Covenant, it's as though He just expects us to be walking in it because all of a sudden, now He's telling us to take that healing power to the world. Now that's a part of the Great Commission that He gives for us to do. You know, that's why Matthew 10 verse 7 tells us that we're to heal the sick and cleanse the lepers and cast out demons and raise the dead. And when you go on down and look in verse 26, it says, and you'll keep doing that until the end comes. He said, because you freely receive, now freely give. And then Mark 16 verse 17 gives us the same commission that he gives us in Matthew. And he says, these signs will accompany those that believe. He said, in my name, you're going to lay hands on the sick and the sick will get well. Now that's a commission to us directly from Jesus. And then in James 5, 14 and 15, we're told what to do when there's sick people in the church. He said, are there any sick among you? If they are, then let them call for the elders. Let them call for the leadership. And he said, the leadership will anoint them with oil and the prayer that's prayed will heal the one that's sick. And if they've committed any sin, they'll be forgiven. I want you to notice again our forgiveness of sin and healing of the body go hand in hand. Now the reason is because the same sacrifice that took our sin also took our sickness at the same time. You can't separate one from the other because they're both a part of the atonement. You know, I, I wonder sometimes how on earth has the church gotten so far away from healing? Because the gospel never leaves any uncertainty. You know, if it be thy will is never found in connection with healing. There are no ifs, you know, concerning healing or concerning God's will to save. Now, the Bible is more clear on the subject of healing than it is on practically any other subject in the Word of God. There's absolutely no uncertainty whatsoever concerning God's will to heal. Now, His will is everything that we've read in the Word of God. And there's so many, many more. Now, if it's in His Word, then it is His will. Now, I'm going to end this first session on healing with a very vivid picture that God showed me years ago. Now, most of you will remember the illustration that I used when I taught on faith and on trust. Uh, if you'll remember the illustration, the young man took his wheelbarrow and he went out to the tightware at Niagara Falls. And he told the people there that he was going to demonstrate faith. And so he wheels his wheelbarrow across the tightwire. And when he gets to the other side, well, there's an old man there. And he said, oh, that was a beautiful demonstration of faith. He said, now I'm going to demonstrate trust. And so he takes the wheelbarrow, goes to the tightwire, and he motions to the young man and tells him to get in the, into the wheelbarrow. And so he said, now that's a demonstration of trust. Well, I had given that illustration in a Bible study, and sometime after that, I had been praying, and I said, Lord, I want to trust you, and I, I want to be able to receive the promises that are in the Word of God and walk in them, and I don't want to strive to do that. And, and I was just praying and crying out for God to open my heart to be able to receive, easily receive and, and walk in these things. And all of a sudden, I got an answer from God in the form of just sort of a, a picture illustration in my mind. And I saw the Lord standing at the edge of Niagara Falls with his wheelbarrow right there at the tight wire, and he was motioning to me to come get in the wheelbarrow. Well, when I got there, instead of it being a wheelbarrow, it was, it was a big, huge Bible. And he told me to get in it, and I saw myself get in the Bible and just kind of pull the pages up around me, and God began to push that Bible out on the tight wire. 
Well, suddenly there were a lot of people on that tight wire with us. There were some out in front and some behind, and some of them were very, very carefully and very methodically, you know, just inching their way, you know, trying to stay balanced on that tight wire. And I, I saw one fall from the wire, and, and he caught himself, and, and he was hanging on for dear life. And, and another one saw a swing that was swinging to the other side, and he jumped and grabbed the swing only to have it snap in his hands, and he fell to the bottom. And one by one, I watched as the these people were walking and crawling or inching their way, you know, to try to get across. But one by one, they all fell to destruction. And the Lord reminded me of the scripture that there would be thousands falling and 10,000 all around us falling. But he said, the ones who get in my word and make my word the source, make it their final authority. He said, those are the ones that are going to be protected. I remember that I was experiencing all kinds of emotions. You know, at one point, the wire began to bounce, and I could remember that I could literally feel the fear. You know, I just felt like my heart was trembling. And there were times when I would look over the edge, and I would feel like I was going to topple out, and that I was going to fall down. But every time that I looked over the edge, the, the fear would come in. The feeling of fear would come in. But the moment that I would look back up and look at the Lord and pull the, the word around me, all the peace would come back. I could literally feel that physical peace coming back over me. Well, finally, after a time, we came out on the other side. And the Lord never let me forget that. That spoke such a message so vividly to my heart. Because I realized that any person who tries to make it in their own strength, by their own reasoning, trying to protect themselves by their own arm of flesh, that they weren't going to make it. And in that illustration, there wasn't anyone that was doing it for themselves that made it across. The only ones who will make it across victoriously are the, going to be the ones who literally take that word and wrap themselves in it and make it their final authority and keep their eyes on him. Now, the number six tells us that they called to the Lord and he healed them. But notice how he did it. He did it by sending his word. That is our deliverance. Now, that's as far as we're going to be able to go tonight. We've looked at some basics of healing, but the main thing that I wanted to accomplish tonight was for us to see that healing is definitely a part of the atonement. It's already been provided for. Now, we're going to be looking at many points next week, which is a real fun study, and then we'll look at how to appropriate healing the next session. But I challenge you now to take these scriptures and just meditate on them. Let the Lord make them come alive on the inside of you and begin to pray and say, Lord, I want this word to be my final authority, not just for me. He's expecting us to be walking in it under the new covenant. He's expecting us now to go and take it to the nations. So that's why he's preparing us, not just for ourselves, but because we're going to be his vessels in this time. Father, thank you for healing. Thank you, Lord, that it is a part of, of the atonement. Lord, no one likes to be sick. Father, I thank you that you cared enough that you took the sicknesses and the diseases on your own body that by your stripes we could indeed be made well. Thank you for that. I thank you, Lord, for your salvation, that you have provided health and healing and deliverance and protection and provision. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for that. We thank you that you loved us enough to, to provide every single thing that we would ever need. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. Please share this teaching with anyone you think it would minister to. If you would like to listen to more in-depth teachings, please sign up for our Psalm 91 family at PeggyJoyceRuth.org.